Welcome to Pacific Mammal Researchers Marine Mammal Highlight Series. We are a 501c3 research and education nonprofit studying marine mammals in the Salish Sea off Washington State. In this series, you will learn about different marine mammals as we discuss interesting facts about each species. This is our way to geek out, share some information, and have some fun. We hope you enjoy the series and be sure to follow us on Instagram to vote for which animal we talk about next. And without further ado, Welcome to the Pac-Man podcast. I'm Cindy. I am Kat. And I'm Trevor. And this week is a marine mammal highlight. And uh, we, we went for some lesser known species this time to uh, see which ones you guys wanted us to do. And uh, the Takushi, right? That's how it's mm-hmm. said, right? It's, very, it's a T-U-C-U-X-I. Um, so it's a really kind of interesting name and Kat's going to talk about where that came from. Um, but it's, a um, we are actually doing two for the price of one, uh, because the Takushi and the Guiana dolphin are both, uh, species of, uh, Sotalia, which is the genus name. Uh, and they're really similar. They just live in slightly different areas and look a little bit different, but they have a lot of the same behaviors and they're basically, they, at one point, were just two different ecotypes of the species. But recently they just discovered that there was enough differences that they are actually different species. So because they are so similar, we're just gonna put them all together. (laughs) So we're doing the Satellius. Kind of like the pinless porpoises that we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so when they're that similar, we'd just be repeating ourselves in the next podcast. So (laughs) there's no need to do that. (laughs) So we're gonna be talking about, uh, so the, just a a brief, the the two different ones, the Takushi and the Guiana, the Takushi are, in the, are, are basically mostly in rivers and the Guiana are in the marine or coastal area. And Trevor will talk more about that, but that, that's the main difference between the two is where they live. So I'll let Trevor tell you more. So imagine your most classic dolphin, the bottlenose dolphin, but smaller. That's what these two species are essentially. Um, the Takushi Tukuchi Tukuchi. can grow up to 4.9 feet, which is not big at all. That's smaller than a harbor porpoise. Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy. Just 1.9 feet Fine. and up to 121 pounds. And that's, that's when the, I saw that, I was like, 100 pounds. Like, that's nothing. It's tiny. Tiny. And if you look at the comparison pictures with people and the dolphin, it's just it's so <laughs> small. Which is strange because bottlenose dolphins are can be quite big. So it's yeah. just like, it's a little mini, it's a mini me. It's a mini me. And I looked at pictures <laughs> of them like because they're so scarce, right? Or mm-hmm. not documented well, I guess. Yes. And they look like porpoise when they're surfacing. Mm. They, they seem pretty, they're really quick at the surface. Yeah. Yeah. But those guys, the river-based ones, the Takusis are up to that weight, but the Guiana are up to 7.2 feet long and 176 pounds. So oh. still not big. But, but that's quite a big difference. Yeah. yeah. So again, well, they were the same species at one point, but just different genetics are leading to sizes and a little bit, little nitty gritty things. But that's interesting because like bottlenose dolphins have different ecotypes and the size is a big difference between like the oceanic ones and the coastal ones. And they're still the same species, but it's interesting that they kind of have a similar similar thing going on there. Same <laughs> thing here with big and the resident killer whales are technically the same species, but big right. are slightly bigger. Right, right. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so range-wise, you can find the Takusi in the Amazon River mm-hmm. and all of its tributaries essentially. And it can go pretty far up the river, like Colombia and Ecuador and Peru, I think it's all been documented in. Whereas the Guiana is near the coast, pretty much all of the Northeastern South America. 
So as far south as Brazil and as far north as Nicaragua, mm -hmm. they've been documented. And there have been a possible report in Honduras as well. Oh, interesting. So that's the is, that, is that a more recent one? I think within the last 10 years, yeah, it's unconfirmed. Okay. Interesting. But they have been seen in the rivers too. It's just more common in the coastal area. And yeah, I saw that they could go up the rivers a fair amount, but right. whether they do or not. Yeah, I think they found one 80 miles up a river. Mm -hmm. I can't remember which river that was, but it was not <laughs> the Amazon. There's, there's many rivers down there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. But they did see it up there, so they basically brackish water, I guess. Mm -hmm. And salt, obviously. But the farthest they've been seen off the coast is off an archipelago off Brazil, 70 miles or 70 kilometers offshore. Okay, oh, that's a fair amount offshore. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned they look like mini bottlenose essentially, but they're gray to little bluish in coloration with white going along the flanks. And they tend to have a lighter, even pinkish backside. Yeah. Well, the uh, the ventral, yeah. Like the, the, the stomach area. Ventral, yeah. yeah. No, I saw the pictures and I was like, because sometimes bottlenose dolphins, you'll see they'll get flushed if they're, you know, blood vessels and stuff, and they'll you'll get a little bit of a tinge of it, but they're they're pretty pink. <laughs> in right. comparison to others <laughs> and the guiana if you really want to find a difference between the two in coloration they tend to have more white streaks on their peduncle hmm. on either side hmm. compared to the jacuzzi hmm. and i mentioned they kind of look like porpoise they have a pretty triangular fin as well but sometimes a little hooked at the top but it's it's pretty triangular for a dolphin yeah i thought that was funny too i was like there's there i'll have i have a couple things in the behavior that they're similar to porpoises too. So it's kind of interesting. Right. Interesting. Huh. And there's just, there's not a ton of information on these guys. I'm trying to find little differences here and there between the two species. And what I could find was the Tukuksi has 26 to 36 teeth. And all I could find was that the Guiana has more. <laughs> not <laughs> like, so if you get a look inside know. their mouth like right. if they open their mouth at you just make sure you count real fast and if there's more than that number <laughs> then it might be you know. a guiana and we don't really know no pressure. The populations, <laughs> but we know that they're fairly abundant of where they are found but yeah. it yeah. seems like the general theme in south america is we just don't know populations of cetaceans yeah yeah and i'll talk a little bit more about that in the status section as well okay but yeah, the main main difference is a little bit the appearance, but the ranges are a lot different. Yeah. But the, the freshwater guys, the Takuksi, they can be found in lakes, they can be found in the rivers. But just a quick thing, they will not go into flooded forests like a classic river dolphin might. But I'm sure Cindy will talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, because mm -hmm. just to put this in perspective too, the Takushi live in the same area as the the pink Amazon river dolphin. So they kind of share that area, but the um, like Trevor was saying, the Amazon uh, river dolphin will go into those flooded forests, whereas these guys don't, which, I mean, may just because it's a little bit more dangerous to do that <laughs> if you're not right. good about how, when the water level is going away. <laughs> I think it's interesting, though, that the Amazon river dolphins will, even though they're quite a bit larger than these guys. You'd almost think that the smaller species would be more would be inclined either. to do it because they mm -hmm. might be a little bit more maneuverable or could handle those lower water levels. So that's just that's just intriguing. Yeah, it's possible. Well, what's interesting too is I, I I did find some information about their vision. So they can mm -hmm. see pretty well, but uh, they have better processing 
uh, power than the Amazon River dolphin, but their clarity mm -hmm. is not as good because they are right. basically marine. So they're marine, but they can go in the freshwater. So their the ability to see through that isn't as good as the Amazon River dolphin. So maybe that's mm. part of it too. They can just see better the stuff that's around them. Yeah. yeah with, I don't know. with that information, I'll leave my last fact with them having one of the largest brain sizes per body size in any mammal. Not the largest, but it's pretty it's pretty high. Top, I know top one percent. <laughs> Because I mean, bottomless dolphins have one of the largest brain brain to body size ratios. Exactly, they're just mm -hmm. so similar to bottlenose, but they're yeah. they're smart. Well, we, so they we, just shrunk. So they shrunk the bodies, but didn't quite shrink as much the brain. Right. So, there's a, interesting, very cool. And those well, rubber guys too, they're little dependent on the area too, because there's a lot of big waterfalls in the Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. They can't go up those waterfalls, so that's where their ranges kind of end. Are very yeah. Safe. Yeah, they, they don't like fast moving water, which is also interesting. Right. I wonder if that's to do with currents at all, you know, evolutionary wise, like staying away from currents and just, I don't know, that's just a thought. Yeah, well, I mean, it, they are smaller, so maybe it, it is just harder for them to get through. They don't have as much power, I don't know, uh, to be able to deal with the fast water. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Well, um, I have a fun fact that I actually got to see a Takushi. Uh, and did you really? Amazon, I did. So uh, we went to, yeah, we went to Brazil and we went to, we got oh, to go up right. the Amazon. Yeah. And so I was like, I went for a, a music thing. I play the clarinets on my, <laughs> my other side of my life. <laughs> and uh, we were doing some concerts down there. And so we went to go, we got to go up the Amazon river and I was like, I, I need to see a pink Amazon river dolphin. Um, and then we ended up getting to see both of them. So they were both oh. in the same area. It was super cool. That's really? really cool. Yeah. I kind of, I, I sadly, I kind of forgot about it. I am mean, like, oh, I saw the pink Amazon river dolphin. And I'm like, oh, I also saw a Takushi. Because <laughs> it was so exciting. See, it's like, it's like people get so excited about seeing orcas and then forget yeah. that they saw harbor porpoise. Exactly. Same thing. I know. I, know. I felt so bad. I was like, oh, man. Uh, I can't <laughs> believe I forgot them, but it was really cool. So as a, kind of a bucket list thing I got to do, which is really awesome. Um, but I didn't get to realize, really realize the size. We were kind of on the, the boat that we were on was a little bit bigger. So it was harder to really see that they were so tiny mm -hmm. <laughs> in comparison. I was just so excited. I got to see them. Um, so I will go ahead and move into uh, the behavior. And um, so as Trevor alluded to, we don't know a whole lot about these guys um, because there's just not as much research. And I think like porpoises, they're a little bit hard because they, they surface really quickly. They're really small. Um, and in some, you know, especially with the river dolphin part, they're, it's harder to maneuver in there sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll tell you what I know, what I found out. <laughs> um, so, but they basically, the, um, the two species are very similar. Um, there's some slight differences, so I'm going to kind of do a general, and then I'll tell you where they where they differ. Um, they're generally in smaller groups from like one to six, um, but can be found in larger groups up to 20, uh, the Takushi, and up to 50 or 60 in the Guiana. Um, and that makes sense simply because of the restriction of being in a river versus being on the coast. You're not going to find <laughs> hundreds of them together in a river. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's going to be a little tight. It's yeah. a really tight party. Um, so, and the Guiana dolphins uh, have been seen cooperatively feeding in groups of 100 to 200. So again, very similar to what we see with porpoises, right? Very small groups, mm -hmm. occasionally we'll see them in larger ones. And then sometimes you see these aggregations of 100 or more. I mean, we saw that huge aggregation last year with the porpoises. 
right mm -hmm. yeah where there was like you know two three hundred porpoises all in a in, in an area so um and it's it's you know it's an interesting correlation there um and they do say that the in the guiana dolphins the 50 to 60 is fairly common it's it's not as rare i think as it is in, in porpoises but hmm. um you're right but they they are very cohesive and social so when they're in those groups they're not just like maybe we're in a group together it's they're in this they're in this group and they're doing their thing together um they <clears throat> are really active uh, they they basically um they feed and travel a lot they don't really see them resting and milling much they're kind of always on the on the go again maybe because they're like harbor purposes they're small they need to eat and <laughs> gotta get the energy in um so they're constantly moving around but they will do full aerial leaps somersaults fluke ups spy hopping surface rolling and porpoising which you may not think like well yeah dolphins do that but especially for the takushi that's weird weird because river dolphins don't do that like you you don't really see amazon pink amazon river dolphins leaping out of the water <laughs> like occasionally you might see them you know keep their head up and flop over you know do a little bit out of the water but um so they're one of the, they're the only dolphin species in the river that um that does that um and I, and i think that's another important distinction to make i was going to mention earlier is that these guys are in the family delphinidae so they are true dolphins whereas river dolphins are in a different family mm -hmm. so i i don't know I, I was thinking about this what are they then because <laughs> technically they're not dolphins right i mean i think they are i mean certainly when you hear about them they are considered part of oh, yeah. the river dolphin grouping but that's and that's a really good point is genetically they're not listed under yeah they're the it's family, family in, in a day versus delphina day mm -hmm. versus you know whatever so that's always been my issue with marine mammals like you know the bicol seal is considered a marine mammal and river dolphins are a marine mammal even though they're not in the marine environment right. yeah True. right yeah we have some inconsistencies in our taxonomy. Water-based mammals. <laughs> <laughs> Water-based. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting uh, side note. Um, but, uh, and so they, they they have not been known to bow ride, but the coastal guys, the um, more likely the Guiana, uh, will surf the wakes of passing boats along uh, that are, you know, out on the coast. And so again, very similar to porpoises, right? Our harbor porpoises here will not bow ride, but they will wake ride, but usually after the boat is gone, right? They don't follow the boat they just go wee as the wake goes by so i think that's a very similar behavior there um they did have a documentation of a lone guiana dolphin that was kind of like a like the lone bottlenose dolphins that get together with with that like humans human interaction mm -hmm. there was one down um i forgot where it was but down there in south america and um he would or he or she would swim with the with dogs <laughs> in the water Guess he really needed some. I mean, they're very social, right? Again, like bottlenose dolphins. So if he's by yeah, himself, I've seen plenty of videos of bottlenose dolphins in like Florida playing with. Oh yeah, dolphins. with dog, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's one with a cat. Isn't there with a cat like from the dock? Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so again, very similar to their larger cousins. Um, uh, and they they did see hand feeding of that, I think that dolphin and maybe others in certain areas too, similar to what you see in Florida, where people will feed the animals. Which, by the way, don't do that. Very, right very i'll talk about that a little bit too in the threats <laughs> okay good 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 um yeah. so they are social little guys they love to just kind of be around everybody um 
they don't really know what they do, you know, kind of during the day exactly. The group size can vary with time or of day and activity, but this may vary between populations because it's it's one one study would say this and another study says that. So different populations likely um, have different um, activity budgets. Uh, but there is um, one thing that's pretty understood is that their vocalizations correlate with group size and behavior. So the behavior and group size influence the whistle variation that they saw. So basically mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're saying different things with, within different contexts. Which is, which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So they could, you know, see like, oh, well, this behavior is going on. This is the, the frequency of, you know, of, the, the, of the whistles. Um, and this is really cool. Their vocalizations are particularly interesting because um, they have some of the highest pitched whistles of any dolphin. And I didn't realize this, but apparently there's a link between smaller size, the, the size and pitch. So the smaller the size of the animal, the higher the pitch, mm -hmm. which makes sense. But, I, you know, I was like, well, I guess these are like the little mice of the <laughs> dolphin species. So they have some cool vocalizations. Um, they do have, uh, as, as far as they know, seem to have very small home ranges possibly the smallest of any known dolphin species. Um, mm -hmm. The Guiana dolphins have been sighted in the same area up to 10 years through uh, some photo ID uh, of, of certain individuals. Um, and so they, they don't travel very far. They can occasionally if they want to, but they tend to want to stay where they're, where they're at. Um, and as we kind of briefly talked about before, it's likely that their ranges are influenced by the rivers and the changing water levels. So um, especially in the Amazon River, uh, there's you know high water times, there's low water times, and so where they can go is going to be limited by those water levels, uh, and to some degree for the coastal guys too, but to a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. um, and we, like we said earlier, the the Takushi will not go into those flooded forests, and that may be um, you know like we talked about a physical reason why they can't see as well or whatever, um, but maybe it also may just be habitat partitioning, so and prey availability. So if the two Amazon river dolphin and the Takushi are living in the same area, you got to split up the resources. So if the Amazon river dolphin can go into those flooded forests and the Takushi don't, then that's food that the river dolphin, the river dolphins have that uh, they're not competing with. So I'm really curious what their metabolism is too, if they're so small. Because I know mm -hmm. porpoises are pretty high, so. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting because the, you know, here, harbor porpoises are very high. I mean, here, but everywhere they are, but they're in really cold water. So right. that would, they would have a higher metabolic rate most likely than the ones in the warmer water but what that difference is i don't know so it would be interesting especially to comparison to compare them to bottomless dolphins i'm mm -hmm. assuming their echolocation must be pretty good and pretty murky water yeah 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 um so speaking of echolocation and finding prey um they basically eat many of the same things they have uh rayfin fishes uh herring drums croakers tetras which i thought was funny Catch fishes and tetras only because I only think of tetras as aquarium fish, even though I know they live in the wild, but that's you normally think you know you see tetras in your home aquariums. Um, but they'll also eat squid, octopus, sometimes even shrimp, crab, and flounder. Um, and they think that young fish may be an important part of their diet, which I think would make sense because they're so small. Right. Is this so. again like the harbor porpoise eat mm -hmm. a lot of the forage fish, the smaller fish species typically? Yep, you're, well. you're a smaller animal, you need some smaller things to eat. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and they are uh, very quick at the surface, again, like porpoises. Um, they'll, they make short dives, 30 seconds to a minute for the Takushi and 30 seconds to two minutes for the Guiana. Um, 
so uh and they're you know they dive they, they do these very shallow quick dives um because they're especially with takushi they're not in very deep water in the first place in the rivers compared to the coast um and so where the best fish buffets are in these areas are in uh confluences and confluences are basically where two rivers meet so especially in the amazon river basin it looks like a, a spider web of of rivers and tributaries and stuff um, so where those two meet, the pH is favorable, favorable for um, plankton growth, um, which feeds small fish, which then feed the dolphins. So it's a, it's kind of like the um, with porpoises where the, the riptides are, uh, mm -hmm. the rip currents and stuff where they, they can, it's easier for them to catch fish in that area or there's um, a reason why the fish are there. So they take advantage of that. Um, and as with other cetacean species, birds are buggers <laughs> and like to steal their fish. So um, they'll, they basically follow after the, dol the dolphins and uh, grab the, the prey that they are um, chasing. So uh, in the Guiana dolphins, the brown booby, terns, frigates, and kelp gulls are all known associates. Um, and with the river dolphins, the takushi, uh, the, they've occasionally seen them with terns. So it's not as common in the rivers as it is on along the coast. So. Again, good for the, the birds, but not great for the dolphins. <laughs> um, and so lastly, uh, that's pretty much what we know about their behavior. Again, it's, it's, we don't know a lot just because of it's, they're just harder to study, I think. Um, but reproductively in their lifespan, they can live up to 35 years um, and they become sexually mature around five to six. Um, they don't really know much about their mating behavior. Uh, though they think that the Guiana dolphins, um, they when they're traveling, that males may be herding females. So that might be mm. part of their mating strategy. They have a gestation of about 11 to 12 months and have calves every two years about. And which is interesting is that the, in the Guiana dolphins, the calving occurs year round, apparently. But the Takushi, because they're more related to the rivers and the, those water levels, um, calving occurs in September through November which coincides with the low water season in the Amazon. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that, like less fluctuation probably with the water. Yeah, possibly. Maybe it's just, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's just safer. I, I don't, they, they don't really have, I mean, Kat will talk about predators, but there's not really many to worry about there. So I don't know if shallow water would really be helpful in that respect, but maybe it's just easier for the baby dolphins to. That's what I was wondering, because didn't you, didn't you publish a paper here showing that calves are less commonly seen in the high rip? Uh, yeah, so the harbor porpoises in our, in our area in particular, um, yeah, they, we saw them more during slack tide uh, because it's conceivably because the water is easier to swim through. And it's That's kind of what I'm wondering with these guys then. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Absolutely. I mean, they have so many other similarities with porpoises. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really fascinating. Yeah. So um, my last thing, which is interesting, is that there have been hybrid calves seen between bottlenose dolphins and Takushi. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, um, and the mixed species groups that they see are often social, but in the Guiana dolphins, um, they have seen mating behavior with bottlenose dolphins, um, but usually the interactions are aggressive and the, with the bottlenose dolphins obviously being the aggressor because they almost always are, unfortunately, uh, and the Guiana dolphins fleeing uh, from them. So there's some interesting interactions between bottlenose dolphins and their little mini-me's. So what's that? Was that pre-separation species of the species that the hybrids were found? No, that's recently. Like, like, I mean, recently by uh, most of the papers that I found were um, 
older, but the one more recent ones were like 2008, 2009. So the bottlenose must go up the river a little bit then. Yeah, well, I think the Takushi can also there, you know, if they're down by the, the mouth of the river, then yeah. the bottlenose can pop in there. To for the, the river to brackish. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. So hmm. I think they just kind of interact with each other every once in a while. Um, so I think that is what I have for um, uh, for behavior. So I think with that, we will take a break before we get into the the bad stuff and then the fun facts. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're back, and Kat is going to lead us into the threats and then fun facts of yeah. and Guyana. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I always get the like depressing part. Um, then you get to so lift us up. So there, that's true. That's true. Just take right, take you on the roller coaster. So yeah. let's talk about status first. Um, as Trevor already mentioned the actual population count for either of these species is still unknown. Um, the general consensus is that across its range, it does they both do seem to be fairly common. Um, although I did see a couple of things that mentioned that the Takushi might be um, on a slight decline of population. But again, I, I couldn't find anything to sort of substantiate that or figure out how they were estimating that. So I think it would have to be between different populations too. I'm sure some are fine and some yes. are not, you know? Yes, um, yeah. exactly. Um, and so in turn, I'm going to do these kind of separated. So for the Takushi, um, they were previously listed by the IUCN as data deficient. However, as of 2020, they were listed as endangered. Oh, um, good. Wait, so that 20, is a, yep. When? 15? 2020. Oh, 2020. Yep. So um, it's so a lot of the papers and stuff that I was looking at, a lot of the articles were referencing them as data deficient. But when I actually checked the IUCN website, they are currently listed as endangered as of last year. And that's the Takushi? That's the Takushi. Mm, um, and so, again, like I said, we don't have actual population numbers. However, I was able to get estimates for a couple areas. So in Peru, they estimate there's around 350 dolphins. Um, in the Amazon River, around 400 dolphins, 410 dolphins. So again, like, like Trevor already mentioned, they have these very discrete pockets of animals, mm -hmm. which we'll talk a little bit about in the threats too, about why that might be an issue in terms of conservation. Um, for the Guiana, um, they are currently, again, population size is unknown, and they are currently listed as near threatened by the IUCN. So how do you get from data deficient to endangered when you don't have any population numbers? Yeah, that's weird to me. Yeah. I don't know, but that, and that's why I double checked because I was looking yeah. at something else and they were like, oh no, they're now listed as endangered. And yeah, sure enough, when you go on the IUCN website, they are under the red list as endangered as of last huh. year. But yeah. um, I, I mean, that, like, when in doubt. Yeah. Well, and I'm just wondering is if they do have estimate numbers for enough of their population areas, right. maybe they can kind of ballpark it and say, well, that means that there's likely a population of less than this amount. And they're in these very discrete. And the thing is, again, we'll get into this in threats, but where they live is under a lot of anthropogenic yeah. pressure. So well, especially again, rivers, rivers. Not yeah. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just based on where they live, that might be a, again, a preventative listing, but yeah, quite intriguing. Um, and I did double check that. because I was like, oh, that seems but yeah, like I said, it's a very, very new listing um, as of last year. So hot off the presses. Um, so with that, let's get into the threats. So um, as a lot of cetacean species that we've already talked about, 
both of these, um, the Takushi and the Guiana, are prone to accidental bycatch. Um, and apparently the Takushi is the most commonly bycaught cetacean in certain parts of his range, which is mm. kind of sad. Um, so gillnets and seine purse uh, fishing, yeah, is the most common. These are the most common problems for both species. Um, Again, gillnets also same problem for porpoises. Yeah, gill, I mean, just, just the nature, the nature of gillnetting mm -hmm. makes it a problem for almost all cetacean species. Yeah. To be honest, just the way that they, the way that it's done. True. Um, the Guiana dolphins are also impacted by um, bottom-set lobster nets, apparently as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a quote that I found on on one website that was stating that in several areas of South America, literally hundreds of Guiana dolphins die every year due to bycatch. Mm -hmm. um, and in the Amazon Delta alone, they have about 2,000 Guiana dolphins every year that are bycaught. Oh, wow. um, so, I mean, again, like- That's, that's not sustainable. No. That's not sustainable, especially when we don't know the population. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of alarming. Yeah. Um, so there has been some more recent research into the use of acoustic pingers, which are also known as seal scarers, um, but they can use these, attach these to nets basically. And the idea is that they will deter the dolphins from um, entering the nets and therefore getting bycaught. So apparently they've had some success with that, but that's still kind of a work in progress, I guess. Well, and when we, the last conference we went to, there was like a whole day practically on pingers and mm -hmm. that they're, you know, whether they work, whether they don't, you know, I think one of them was like, they, it was a seal scare, but it didn't scare the, scare the seals, but it scared the porpoises. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so a lot so of these things, it does out. have to do with the frequency of pitch that they are, mm -hmm. you know, emitting and all that kind of thing. So it's, yeah, it's, there's, there is at least some research going into how to address this issue, which is great. Yeah. Um, the next threat that we'll talk about is um, active hunting um, and or death from human interaction. Right. Um, so it, apparently hunting them is not super common, um, not certainly not as common as certain other species that we've mentioned in the podcast. Um, it's, it's thought that one of the reasons that that might be is that there are you know, as I think, as we talked about with the Amazon river dolphin, there are quite a lot of like myths and legends and, and cultural associations with river dolphins in general that have, or may have prevented too much commercial exploitation of these, which is fantastic. Which I think is um, so cool that a, a myth is protecting them. I love it. Yeah. And so I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think that a lot of, a lot of the cultural association is that river dolphins are actually the, the ancestors who have transformed into dolphin species. So it's yeah. basically like your ancestors watching you kind of thing. I forget what, if there was one, I think it was with a seal. The sel the selkie. That's the right? selkie. Yeah. yeah. So that's, so a, that's there's a Scottish a version legend. of that with porpoises, or not porpoises, but river dolphins. Like yes. it's the same idea that they turn it the ancestors. They can shed their skin and, mm -hmm. and turn into a dolphin. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um so however, they are, you know, obviously they are taken for both their meat and their blubber in certain areas, um, particularly around parts of Brazil, apparently. Um, the blubber, I guess, is mostly used as shark bait, which is kind oh, of intriguing. Yeah um so one thing so to again, thing. yeah yeah I mean I guess yeah gotta find bait for something I guess mm -hmm. um so again they're not exploited a ton in that respect but they are they are killed intentionally still um and again you know as as Trevor alluded to in the introduction one of the main issues around this is that most parts of their range don't provide protection for these species um and even though there are some parts that are protected by law, 
enforcement is almost impossible. <laughs> um, I mean, especially when you're residing up these different river areas, it's, it's very difficult to get to these. It's almost impossible for any kind of enforcement um, to prevent active hunting of these animals. So it just, again, it becomes an issue of, of reach, basically. Yeah, and I mean, enforcement, it's the problem with any, any fishing Absolutely. thing. Like, yeah. Enforcement is just so hard. It's a big, huge ocean. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I mean, you know, even when you're talking about these river areas, they're really difficult to get around and you can only oh, yeah. patrol so many. Well, again, um, yeah. I mean, look at the Amazon River Basin. It's pretty large. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of other ways that humans are impacting these guys, a big one is habitat destruction. Um, so as I mentioned earlier and kind of how do you guys put a pin in when we're talking about these very discrete populations that are segmented, in different parts of rivers, mm -hmm. any kind of habitat destruction or encroachment is a serious threat to those populations. Um, and there's a ton of different ways that we are doing this, unfortunately. Um, obviously, just general habitat encroachment through building and um, farming around these areas, um, that then leads to a lot of pesticide runoff. Um, there's still a lot of pesticides in use in those areas that have actually been banned. Um, that are highly toxic, but they're still being used. Yeah, I mean, um, things like DDT, you know, are banned in, in many places, but in other places are still being used. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, things even though they're banned, if that's all you have access to, that's still what you're going to use. And yeah, you're just well, gonna, and it may not be banned you know, there. Maybe you'll get a fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and I think, I think even some that have been legally banned, people are still using because that's what they well, have access to. That's true, yeah. Um, so it's a combination. Um, boat traffic, um, especially you know, on those coastal areas. So the Guiana might be a little bit more at risk from, from boat strikes, mm -hmm. um, noise pollution from those boats and from, um, construction, the, which I'll get into next. And the, and the pingers and the pingers <laughs> potentially, right? Exactly. Just, that's just another thing, like, right. You're putting that out. Now you just bring more noise pollution out to, to try to save them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, the introduction of marine culture farms, which is uh, mm. kind of a newish one, but that is becoming more and more, um, of a, of a hot thing to do out there. And then heavy metal toxins um, also as a big pollutant. So I guess one of the examples given was mercury from gold mining, which is oh, yeah. intriguing, but just the heavy metal pollution in these, in these areas mm -hmm. is substantial. And as we've talked about in many other podcasts, you get bioaccumulation up the food chain. Um, these animals are storing these toxins and these pollutants in their fat stores mm -hmm. um, and metabolizing them when they are nutritionally stressed. So no. Not well, great. I, I think a, a good analogy to the, the for the river part of why all this stuff is so much harder is the, the example of the um, Chinese river dolphin that went extinct, the Yangtze mm -hmm. that went extinct mm -hmm. because of all of these things are all in one are all happening in the smaller area of the river versus open ocean. Exactly, you can't get away from things. it. So yeah, we really have to be careful because we've already lost a species. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's gone extinct. And there is, it is important just on that note to mention just the mixing that, that occurs in a river versus in the open ocean as well. So some mm -hmm. of these things can, can be diluted somewhat if you're in the open ocean um, right. and, and moved around where, again, yeah, like you said, it's basically just you're pouring these things into a very narrow space. Um, right. that doesn't have the ability to mix in the same way that the open ocean does. And these animals so, yeah, are just not going very far. The they're they're yes. staying in these small areas. So these small home ranges are also an issue. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, like I said, um, just dam construction is becoming more and more common in these riverine areas. Um, hydroelectric dams are a huge uh, issue for these 
um, species, both of these species actually. Um, so again, it increases the fragmentation of populations, which mm. are already fragmented. Um, and also a big one is that it, it alters and potentially reduces um, fish migrations and movement, potentially reduces the fish populations in those areas, which means less food for the dolphins in the areas that they actually live in. Um, so it's not great for the dolphins. I, I, I was laughing right at the beginning of that because I, 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 I wasn't thinking that you were saying dam as in the dam that you're building, but that these damn things that, <laughs> which also goes, but I mean, true. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, no, she's actually talking about dams. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so with all of those dire issues, um, we'll get into some fun facts. So we already had, actually, we already talked about quite a few fun facts about these guys with their teeth and their brain size. Um, but one of the things that's always really fun to do in this section is talk about where the names came from. So let's talk about Takushi first. So the common name Takushi comes from, and I apologize in advance, I'm probably going to butcher these names, comes from the Takuchi Una after the Tupi language of the Mayanas Indians mm -hmm. in the Amazon region of Brazil. Um, and so in that region, the Takushi are also known as the Boto Takushi, the Boto Sinsa, or simply Boto. Which is interesting because the pink Amazon river dolphins also known as Boto. So that's confusing. I know. And I'm wondering if that's a, like a kind of catch-all term almost. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, the Guiana is more named after the location, I believe. Um, and in terms of the Latin name, Cetalia is the, the you know, genus. Um, that has no known origin, apparently, <laughs> which is very intriguing. I'm like yeah, everything has an origin. Right. So Cetalia, no known origin. However, for the Takushi, their um, species is the Fluviatilis, excuse me. And that means of a river, which is pretty cool. Oh, right. So it's, it's, um, it's unknown of a river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then um, the Guianensis is the newer um, species name for them once they determined that they were actually genetically two different species, hence right. the name Guiana. Um, Another fun fact is in the Amazon, the genitals and eyes of the Takushi are sold as love charms. So I thought that's interesting and in that they said that the myths protected them. Mm -hmm. But then but they also said that. makes them desirable. <laughs> I, was like, Wait I mean, a it's, it, it makes sense though, right? It's like, and, and again, these might be two different cultures, right? So you could mm -hmm. also be talking about, you True. know, one culture, culture values them, one culture values them Poison. in a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and their teeth and bones are often used for crafts as well, which oh, is, uh, nice you know. I guess, resourceful. Here, Play with some bones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then as, as you mentioned, Cindy, they are also very, very social. And so they have been observed playing with multiple other cetacean species, turtles, humans, dogs, like we already talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, the last fun fact that I had was just their eyesight, which again, we actually already talked about, that they do have pretty good eyesight both above and below the water. Um, like you said, slightly less good than the Amazon river dolphin in the murky water. But um, just because of their, I think, especially when you live in a river, having good eyesight both above and below is really helpful because mm -hmm. you're not going to be spending the majority of the time with your head underwater. You're actually probably going to be in areas of low levels and lifting your head above the water too. Yeah, especially during like low water seasoning, uh, mm -hmm. season and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the, the it was interesting because they, they have like... A, uh, two areas of processing visual information versus only one in the Amazon river dolphin. 
Um, and I don't know, I don't know exactly the differences of what processing the visual information means versus the clarity of the vision. <laughs> so, but they are better at processing it, but they aren't, their vision isn't as clear. So. Interesting, which again, yeah. maybe one's a trade-off versus having right. clearer vision, you have the better ability to decipher the murkier image that you're seeing. Who knows? Right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that I had, all I had. Uh, one more thing that uh, I forgot to mention, and actually this might go back to when we were talking about being in the fast moving water, they avoid that, is that they're mm -hmm. actually very slow swimmers compared to other dolphins. So even yeah. though they're really quick at the surface, you know, when they're surfacing and stuff, they, their, you know, longevity of swimming, I guess, <laughs> is they, they're just not as fast. So that might mm -hmm. be another reason why they avoid those high water and fast water moving areas because they just can't swim through it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. So uh, and I guess maybe they don't need to be fast swimmers in the where they live in the rivers and yep. stuff, which makes sense. Yeah. But. All right. Um, well, I think that's um, what I got. Um, and that's it for the Takushi and the Guiana, uh, the Sotalia species. Um, so hope you enjoyed that a little bit more unknown uh, species. And um, next week, next time will be a, probably a journal review, right, Kat? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yep. And I think we um, will be getting some more interviews lined up in January. So stay tuned yes. for those. We have a few coming up. Yeah, we so. were, we we're going to try to get them done in December, but then, you know, life and holidays and everything else and sea turtles that show up in Washington. Oh yeah. That, that delayed our, our, we were going to talk with a, a vet, um, uh, with a, a group around here and they, yeah, we've had a, a was it a green? I think it was a green. Yeah, a green sea turtle that got washed up here. Um, and so they've been busy taking care of, of that animal. So, um, but yes, January is looking like January. We'll have uh, an interview or two um, to do. So that'll be exciting, something a little different. Um, so as always, uh, be sure to uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any, if you want to know about any particular animal, throw it out to us over email or on social media, tell us what you wanna hear. Uh, and keep an eye on the Instagram stories for um, the, the poll of what to, who to choose for the next Marine Mammal Highlight. Um, I think we might throw, we only have one more, one porpoise that we haven't done yet. So we might throw that one in, in the mix. Oh, porpoise. um, <laughs> <laughs> no um, so with that, I think uh, that'll do and we will see you next time or talk to you yep. next time, I guess. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This was brought to you by Pacific Mammal Research, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. To learn more about the species we discuss, check out our blog. Head to our website, www.pacmam.org, that's P-A-C-M-A-M.org, to check it out. Also, help us continue providing fun and educational content like this by donating today. Your help is how we can continue to do our work and share it with you. Thanks. <laughs>